0: I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Did you feel like you had the perfect soulmate for you? I remember saying you're like the male version of me and I'm the female version of you. We just had so much in common and connected on so many levels. Well, that's because of this thing called mirroring. And it's a weird word to say, mirroring. I had to get used to that before this podcast episode. Mirroring is a manipulative tactic used by covert narcissists to charm you and to catch you as their prey. However, mirroring does play out in several ways in these toxic relationships. And understanding this can certainly help you to make more sense out of this crazy nightmare that you are living or have lived. Mirroring is when one person consciously or unconsciously imitates the gestures, speech, patterns, attitudes, behaviors, uh, beliefs, interests of another person. And it involves both verbal and nonverbal behaviors. You see, at the beginning of a relationship, covert narcissists mirror you. They like what you like, love what you love, want what you want, believe what you believe. They agree with everything you say. They even talk like you talk, using words and phrases that you use. With these instant connections, they just help you to feel safe and secure, to feel cared for to feel noticed, to feel like you matter in someone's world. And so you let your guard down and you over trust. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I do want to tell you real quick about a special that I'm running right now. All individual sessions with me are currently $99 $99 per hour long session. This is a special I'm going to run through some of this holiday season, at least till the end of November. Maybe I'll carry it into December, but you can sign up for as many as you like. And, and to do it, you go to cnglifecoaching.com. Those three three, first three letters are CNG, like Covert Narcissism Group, lifecoaching.com. Also, if you want a time slot, but none of them line up with your schedule, like on there, please let me know. Let me know by email because I can usually work something else out. And my email is Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at C-N-G, lifecoaching.com. Now, let's look at some examples of mirroring. You know, I might say to him, you know, I like the outdoors. I like hiking. I like camping. In fact, I did say all this. And, and I like being active and, and doing stuff, especially outside. Well, guess what? So did he. Though I later learned that he had not done any of this before we met. I like working out and suddenly they're at the gym and buying fancy workout stuff and, and, you know, pumping weights that they've never done before. But you don't know that. I like volunteering at the local animal shelter. Well, it's their favorite thing, too. I like classical music and going to the symphony, and they show up with all these classical CDs that they just bought. But no, this is my collection that I've had forever. Even foods, I like chocolate, and all of a sudden, it's their absolute favorite. Religious beliefs, political beliefs, worldviews, hobbies, it doesn't matter. It's amazing. You know, they like all the things we like they believe all the things we believe. Why? Because they are mirroring you. You see, covert narcissists lack a stable and sustaining sense of identity and self-worth. And we've talked about that through this podcast. They're constantly looking outside of themselves for their own identity, for their own value. And so when you become their target, then that's where they start getting their sense of identity and their value. And so they take on who you are. Everything that I liked and expressed interest in, it was an automatic fit with him. I heard a lot of, hey, me too, or wow, isn't that crazy? And and he would then, you know, explain to me how that was something he loved as well. I'll give you a couple of actually very specific ones that I live that you may not always think about. Uh, you know, when we started talking more about marriage and and life together, I wanted more than one child. He's an only child. and and I know a lot of people sometimes do tend to want whatever they grew up with. and I wanted more than one child. From there, I was open, but but more than one. Well, he told me, you know, definitely, he wanted more than one child. like I, I get it. I understand he made arguments for that, all of this. And um, you know that he's he was the only child like I mentioned, he didn't want that for his own kid. And this, after I had said, you know, I wanted more than one child. But when the time came, after our first child was born, well, all of a sudden, he backpedaled. He didn't even backpedal. He just said, well, I didn't want more than one kid. He said that, you know, well, I'm okay with just one child. And now here I am defending that, wait a minute, we agreed we'd have more than one kid. And he's going, well, maybe we don't need any more. And when I addressed it and said, I told you that I do not want only one child before we ever married, and you agreed to that. I told you that this was not going to be debated later. We could debate whether we stop at two or three or whatever, but not at one. So it became an argument. And, and you know, that was just another way that the, that the mirroring played out. Another way it played out is I wanted to stay put. I don't want to move around. And I told him this. I don't, I don't want to move around. I move around as a kid. I don't want that for our kids. And he agreed. He's like, yeah, I, I agree. It's important that our, boy, that our children, you know, stay in one place for their childhood. And so I agree with that. I think that'd give them more stability. And, and he had all these great arguments for it. However, this certainly did not prove to be true. After our first child was born, we moved out of state twice before he was six. And then I finally, I put my foot down and I just refused to move anymore. He tried many times, you know, this job came open here, or this job came, and he's still looking and, and exploring. And he would often tell me about some position out of state that he wanted to pursue. But when I reminded him that we talked about this before we ever got married, he then turned it into how I was against his career and holding him back. I held my ground and refused, but he brought the conversation back many times. And I even finally did give in just to keep peace and agreed, okay, pursue that there this one out-of-state job. And he applied, but he didn't get the job. But yet again, before we married, oh, it was important to him that we stay put. You know, my love for classical music was genuine and real. And going to the symphony was something I did regularly before meeting him. Well, he told me numerous times that he was so fond of classical music and the local symphony, yet he expressed no interest in actually going. And in fact, got incredibly jealous and agitated when I went with someone else, a girlfriend. I went, you know, we go to the symphony and now he's mad because I went. This mirroring, mirror imaging continued through so many aspects of my life with him. However, mirroring does not go in just one direction. We often end up mirroring them. And this is something I've recently come to the realization of, and I'm going to explain it. And it it plays out in two very different ways with the victim of, of covert narcissism. And I want you to understand it because it can really truly give you a better understanding of your relationship with this person and who you are today. One way that we mirror them is we agree with them just to keep peace, just to get along. How many times did I keep my mouth shut or even just agree with him, even though I really didn't, because I didn't want his anger. I didn't want, you know, the battle that would come. Their opinions become our opinions just because it's it's just easier to agree with them than not. I had someone tell me once that she had made, you know, a comment to her covert narcissistic husband about being a liberal. Just in conversation, she made a comment about being a liberal and his response was, well, you're not a liberal. So in her head, she thought, oh, okay, I guess I'm not a liberal. And she went right along with him and and agreed with him. We actually end up changing our own thoughts, perspectives, opinions, feelings, everything. I took on his perspectives on so many things because then at least he and I were on the same page. It was the only way I felt like I could be on the same side as my own husband. This played out with our boys. If one of our boys was doing something that truly was not a problem, but my husband saw it as a problem, and I know that you know he had voiced it enough times, I knew for him it was a problem. It might not have been a problem for me, but it was a problem for him. Well, then I took it on and it became a problem for me too. And I would correct our son and discipline him just to keep his father from doing it. Even though I didn't think he was doing anything wrong. I accepted that it was a problem simply because his father saw it as a problem. So I am mirroring him just to keep peace in my home. And not only that, if, if he was around my, my husband, I knew I had to be firm enough with the boys to satisfy him or he would join in and go too far. So I mirrored my covert narcissistic husband in the way I handled our boys. Another way that this played out for me a lot was hobbies or his attempts at hobbies. I so desperately wanted him to be more productive and engaged in life. And I knew that he would he would just enjoy life more if he would get more actively involved in life, whatever that looked like. I didn't care. He needed hobbies. He needed something to do besides all the gaming that he was doing. And I knew that he would get more involved if I did. That had already played out many times. He was so jealous of my time or of me finding happiness in anything that did not involve him that if I got involved, I knew he would try to get involved. And it usually didn't stick. He would stay involved for a while, but then it wouldn't stick. And again, that's the mirroring. The mirroring playing out by, he would get involved in my hobbies because, oh, I got to like that too, because he's, again, they take on your identity. And so he's trying to mirror me, but it doesn't stick because they don't have any stick in them. They can't, they can't stick with anything. And so it just disappears. You know, I'll give you an example. He liked photography or he always said he did. Like everything else in life, he was more in love with the idea of being a photographer than actually doing the work that it takes to get there. He wanted the end result, not the process. So he only kind of, sort of played around with photography, which is fine, except that he bragged about how great of a photographer he was and that, you know, I'm, I'm real serious about photography. And, and he would really especially look like the real photographer when we were at, times that were public public events like family functions church events taekwondo testings uh, family vacations like public things and no doubt we got plenty of pictures and some were really good but he talked about it as though he was this professional photographer and and uh, you know i'm just so invested in all of this and no he wasn't So what did I do? Okay, maybe photography would be a way for him to really get engaged with life. So I took interest in photography to help him, to give him him something to do and, and give us something that maybe we could do together, something that he liked and hopefully that he would then invest some time and energy into. Did I like photography? No. Did I want to spend my time that way? No. But I took on the hobby to try to help him. He told me multiple times, you know, that he needed a hobby, that he needed something to do with his time. And I told him I thought it was a great idea. Well, then, you know, he would even tell me, well, I need your help with this. Ironically, after all the years i had been trying to help him, you know, and he tells me this, well, the photography thing didn't stick, of course, because none of it ever does. And I ended up involved with it for a while. and I got better as a photographer, but it's not my hobby. I don't want that hobby. You know, another one is he said, he told me one time, well, I want to learn to play the guitar. And I said, great, I think you should. I'd love to hear it, you know, go learn to play. And, and I think it'd be a great idea. And of course his next words out of his mouth were, well, so when do you think we should start? Wait a minute. We? Yeah, you'll do it with me, of course. This conversation at this point in our marriage was quite eye-opening to me. So we were like 18 years into our marriage at this point. And up to this point, I I wouldn't even have hesitated. If he just said, you know, I think I wanna learn to play the guitar, I'd be like, okay, great, let's go shopping. I'll take you, we'll find, you know, I would've been all in to try to help him. I would've just jumped right in. But like all the other times, it would've become me learning the guitar and him fizzling out once again. I think I finally reached the point that I realized this. I had taken on so many of his hobbies. Well, I never picked up a guitar. And by this time in our marriage, I was seeing what was going on. My eyes were open, and you don't see it till you do, and then you don't unsee it once you see it. And at that point, I, I didn't even know myself, my own likes and dislikes, my own preferences, my own interests, my own hobbies. But I did know that I did not want to learn to play the guitar. I was very supportive of him learning, but he was going to have to do this one by himself. Did he? No. Of course not. Not even one single step. Well, this is not the only way that mirroring plays out for us. Um, This is one way, taking on their hobbies and their likes or their interests or their perspectives or their opinions, all of that. But there's another way that this plays out that actually causes a lot of damage in the victims of covert narcissism. So many victims come to me asking, am I the narcissist? Well, why do they ask this? For starters, because they were accused of being the narcissist by their accuser. Okay. Well, that does not have much weight in my world. So, I, you know, just remind them, okay, you've been you're telling me this person has been gaslighting you, is lying to you, is, you know, manipulating you, and now they're calling you a narcissist. So, let's take that for what it's worth. But there's another way this plays out. As the self-reflective individuals that we are, we observe ourselves. And we do it with honesty. You know, I, I'm a self-reflective person and I'm going to look honestly at myself and I'm going to go, okay, this is a piece of me I don't like. This is something I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing and I'm going to change it. At least, you know, I have a whole lot more honesty than my covert narcissistic abuser. Well, what do we see in ourselves when we're in this relationship with a covert narcissist? We see some of the very traits that identify covert narcissism ourselves. Because these traits are survival skills. They're very normal and human ways to respond to an abusive and adverse environment. These are traits like defensiveness and hypersensitivity and reactive anger. These are ways that we look at it and go, wait, am I the narcissist here? No. You're experiencing survival skills and those survival skills mirror that covert narcissistic abuse. Let's look at defensiveness. We become reactive out of desperation to be heard, to matter, and simply because you just can't take it anymore. After years of trying to keep peace with him, giving in, going along with everything, keeping my mouth shut, I finally just couldn't do it anymore. After years, even two decades, of being blamed for everything and me accepting far too much of that blame, I finally stood up for myself. I defended myself. Because I have accepted so much of the blame over all those years, I was in the habit of blaming myself. So I was internally justifying every word, every action, every thought I had. I was defending myself to myself. And over time, this defensiveness became visible. Not only to him. Yes, I'm now defending myself to him. And even though I'm not a defensive person in general, I certainly became this way, but it also was showing up in other relationships too. I was defending myself and justifying myself for things that are perfectly normal human reactions. How about hypersensitivity? goes hand in hand with this. Because of this is a world of a thousand bee stings, and if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it, a victim of covert narcissistic abuse becomes hypersensitive to all of the attacks. What seems to be the smallest of things can set us off. And to those who don't get it, sure, we look hypersensitive. We look like we're easily triggered. But this is because it isn't about that one single thing. Any of these events, moments, attacks, triggers, whatever you want to call them, any single one of them taken out of context is not a big deal. But it isn't a single one. It's years and decades of daily bee stings. And no doubt, if you were stung by a thousand bees, your sensitivity to it would definitely be elevated. How about angry outbursts? Covert narcissists, they often have this quiet rage that sits just underneath the surface. I hear from people, well, he never really actually yelled at me. He never cussed at me. He never, you know, raised his voice at me. They show their anger to you and only to you. You know, they close their eyes so tight or grit their teeth, tighten their lips, or they take these deep breaths with sigh and huff. It's so clear that they're angry, but only you see it. And then you react and they call you the crazy one. See, you're the one that's yelling. You're the one that's being mean and explosive. So, yeah, we see some of these traits and we look at it and go, wait, am I the narcissist here? How about questioning their sense of reality? Yeah, we definitely are questioning their sense of reality because they have a warped sense of reality. But when we're questioning their sense of reality, they turn it into accusing you of gaslighting. Well, when you, you know, you can, you can even go so far as to record the conversation with their permission, and they will still tell you that it's wrong, that it didn't happen like that. Okay, yes, we're questioning their sense of reality. How about the silent treatment? You know, some people say, well, isn't gray rocking the same thing as the silent treatment? I've heard that many times. And no, it is not. I do understand the question. Both are a survival skill. In the silent treatment, the motivation is to manipulate you so that they can get their way. Their only interest is themselves, that they win and you lose. What is trying to survive? You know, what are they protecting that's trying to survive? Why are they fighting so hard? It's for their own image. It's for their victory. You, however, you turn to Grey Rock out of survival. I did. I didn't even know what it was called, but it was what I was doing. But the motivation is different. You don't turn to this so that you can get your way, so that you can win and they lose. Talking to them and connecting with them is truly what you desire. You turn to Grey Rock to avoid their anger, not to create more of it. What is trying to survive? that tiny bit of energy that you have left, the ounce of self that remains inside of you. That's why you turn to Grey Rock. Victims of covert narcissistic abuse often ask if they are the narcissist. These survival skills certainly do mirror the abusive nature of the covert narcissist in your life. So I do understand the question, but please know that there are some distinct differences. Why does a covert narcissist mirror You? Because they lack identity of their own, and so they're trying to take yours. They're manipulative and they're trying to win you over. They lack skills for genuine connection, so they mirror. Why do you, the victim of all of this, why do you mirror? To make the best out of a tough situation, to keep peace and avoid their abusive anger, to survive when you believe you have no other options for survival. I hope that understanding this knowledge, getting some knowledge of mirroring will help to make more sense out of this crazy making situation in your life. I am excited to say that I am now hiring someone to help take this podcast to the next level. And there are some technical behind the scene changes that are taking place this week. But none of that should affect your ability to find the podcast and listen to it. If it does, please reach out to me and tell me. But I tell you, uh, I tell you all of this because it is possible that I might miss one week in the changeover. I'm going to record the podcast and hopefully we'll be able to put one out next week. But if we miss one week, I wanted to let you know ahead of time, we will do our best not to take that week, but it's hard to say on the front end. So I just wanted you to know that if there's not an episode next week, this is why and it, we, we will be back on track, and with more energy, like I said, I'm so excited about where we're going forward with this, and thank you so much for continuing to spread the word to other people, for helping our world to better understand what you're living, and what I lived, and what so many others out there are living. I want you and I to find you again, and I hope that all of this helps. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.